0: This is the Global Shapers Gold Coast podcast, connecting with community and industry leaders to drive dialogue, action and change for a better future. As we shape the future of the Gold Coast and Logan cities, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and their connection to country. Hi guys, and welcome to the Global Shapers Gold Coast podcast, where we empower our local and global community to create impact in the areas of health, climate change and shaping our city's future.
1: We're your hosts for this season Karen and Rishan, and we're excited to be bringing you another episode with our guest Darren Rackerman. Darren is the Head of Middle Learning Community at Hillcrest Christian College and a passionate educator who strives to find engaging ways to use technology to drive student learning in the 21st century. Darren has experienced leading digital pedagogical change across schools on the Gold Coast.
0: Thanks for being here, Darren, and I'm excited to have a quick chat about, I think, 21st century educational leadership and a lot more. So thanks for being here today with
1: us.
2: No, it's great to be here.
0: Awesome.
1: So what's involved with 21st century education now?
2: I guess the first thing that jumps to my mind is very much about skills over content. We see a lot of research coming out that our, our young adults are going to move through potentially 16 or 17 different roles across multiple different careers. So gone are the days where students really look into creating content or skills around becoming a banker or in a legal firm or now you have to have adaptable skills because our, our world is changing so quickly that most people will, will move through those different progressions. So that the old school model of, of producing that, that factory sort of model where every single student is coming out to do something similar, that's really, really changed. And, and, and students need to be adaptable. They need, need to be able to get into different roles and, and learn on the job. So to me, yeah, 21st century learning is very much about a focus on skills more than the content, which has been a big flip than probably 30 years ago in education, where, where teachers were very much viewed as having the, 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 being the font of all knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now things are very
0: accessible on Dr. Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what, changed education and, and the classroom and the way we learn and think, and this is one of my favorite topics. So what do you think, in your opinion, takes what it takes to be a 21st century teacher? Yeah, probably a PhD in emotional intelligence <laughs> yeah. uh, really helps,
2: a social working
0: background.
2: Yeah, teaching has really changed. In I think I'm in my 25th year, mm. and when I reflect back now to what teaching was 25 years ago, it was so completely different. Yeah. You were a content expert. There weren't the social issues that you were working with on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, now, mental and well-being, uh, physical well-being, they're at the paramount of what you're now dealing with, with as a teacher on a day-to-day basis. Mm. So. 21st century teaching looks so completely different Mm -hmm. and it's now very much about developing the whole child moving away from the idea of being an IQ incubator but -hmm. worrying about the EQ of the students in front of you and and the well-being that that whole development of the child and developing those skills as I said earlier Mm. to be really successful so yeah teaching has changed dramatically Mm -hmm. in my 25 years absolutely Mm -hmm.
1: And it would be incredibly beneficial for the kids as well to, to learn more about emotional intelligence and, and really both on a peer-to-peer level and, and also between teacher and student.
2: Yeah, it's very much at the forefront of what schools mm. are now doing. Um, many, many schools are advertising for culture and wellbeing roles. Yeah, we have a head of culture and wellbeing at our college. We have individual lessons where we're developing EQ skills in our students. So it's very much at the forefront of what schools are now doing.
1: And your college is a really good example. So what does a new age school look like? And are there any particular structures or ways of facilitating learning that we're transitioning away from in these new schools?
2: Yeah, I think the first one is the physical setup of a school. Again, the physical setup has changed so dramatically in, in the last 20 or 30 years. I call it the bells and cells model of the past, where every room was individual, you walked in and sat in rows, teacher was at the front, you did not speak, you just listened for an hour. That's gone. Now schools are very, very flexible. You think about a Google or a Microsoft Office, Uh, in fact, we've had people from business walk through our college and say, wow, you've actually even gone further ahead than what our offices now <laughs> yeah. look like. So it's all about flexibility, glass sliding walls everywhere. Very rarely do you see a standalone room, yeah. um, but rooms that can be opened up indoor, outdoor, taking you know, all that natural light and fresh air and those sorts of things are really yeah. thought about now when, when you're designing a space. Mm. So flexibility is key and gone are those sort of standalone learning silos that were really prevalent probably 40, 50 years ago.
0: And I think it'll be very interesting to see probably having students, getting them to work individually if they want to, or in group collaboration and then in a classroom setting or all of a sudden Zooming with someone else on the other side of the world. So all of that is now the classroom, I guess. So Mm. yeah, that flexibility is very important. Yeah, How do you think technology has played a role in this and do you think the students are receptive to that?
2: to me the students
0: are uh, don't even think
2: about being receptive it is just- <laughs> part of their life yeah you see babies with an ipad in Mm -hmm. front of them now so it's (laughs) just part of what they grow up with so it's not about them being receptive it is just a normal tool that they interact with you know the age of young young children these days touch anything that's glass and they expect it to interact with them yeah you know so Mm -hmm. the world's really changed from that point of view so students expect to be working with technology Mm -hmm. yeah again i remember teaching with chalk and and an innovation 25 years ago was creating something that would hold the chalk so you didn't get so much chalk on your clothes yeah Uh, that's how much today has changed you're talking about zooming with somebody on the other side of the world so it's chalk and cheese um, from what's being developed over the next 25 and and in the next 25 to come i'm sure it'll be tenfold the changes that we see in education it's really
0: interesting that just reminded me when you said anyone touching glass you you know expect some sort of interactivity there was a youtube video of this, I think it was a four-year-old or five-year-old <clears throat> expecting her mom and dad's car to actually just open when you tell it to open. Yeah. So it was really yeah. interesting. We're just watching that and confused that you have to go and press a button. Or, <laughs>
2: yeah, you, you walk up to your Tesla now and you don't even unlock it. Yeah. It unlocks because it picks up your phone. Yeah. You don't, don't even turn it on and off. So yeah, that, that generation alpha or generation glass, um, what they're calling yeah. young young kids of today. Yeah. They're growing up in a very different world.
1: Yeah, and I had an extra question just along those lines. So what was the impetus for the college itself to really get on board with this new way of learning and and really invest in the infrastructure for that?
2: I guess our college, under the leadership of Jeff Davis, has very much had a future focus and, and trying to make it absolutely the forefront of everything that we do, creating our students to be ready for the future. Mm. And so, yeah, when, when Jeff moved to Hillcrest Christian College six or seven years ago, there was a, a lot of drive around technology being a, a seamless part of the experience and a, and a move to changing the traditional models of what the classroom looked like. Uh, I've been very lucky to open a middle learning community this year where 500 students, learn in what was a car park Um, if you imagine a big open Maya Center that Mm. sort of a car park has now been closed in and created these beautiful large open flexible spaces and 500 Mm. students learn on two levels of a car park so things are really really different now and schools look different Mm. and and technology is just a seamless part of that A lot of people talk about technology being invisible, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it just needs to be a seamless part of the process. I think technology should be a visible part of it, but just a seamless part of that learning experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And I've also noticed that the term design thinking has been floating around business practices and workshops and universities. So for those of our listeners and for us who aren't familiar with the term, could you dive deeper into explaining this?
2: Yeah, I mean, many, many schools are now working with a design thinking philosophy of how to attack problems within the classroom. And I guess the, the bit that I really like is that it starts from empathy, putting yourself in the shoes of the, the people you're trying to uh, solve that problem for. And then as you move through that design thinking methodology, it's about an iterative approach to Defining, looking at the problem, looking for solutions, testing, prototyping and continuing to to move through that cycle, even in a way where you're you're failing forward, failing fast and constantly coming back and doing that rapid prototyping, testing, Mm -hmm. gathering Mm -hmm. information from others to look for that solution. So, so brainstorming is a big part of it, looking for multiple different solutions and then going out and testing and finding the solution that works best. Mm-hmm. So it's very much something that's at the core of our project-based learning approach at Hillcrest mm-hmm. and, and many, many schools have, have brought design thinking into what they do mm-hmm. across the colleges and schools. Yeah,
1: it seems to have a lot of parallels with the start-up and entrepreneurial world Absolutely. that's really taking mm-hmm. taking force nowadays. Yeah. Know.
0: This is obviously music to my ears, given the, my day job, if, if you think <laughs> about it, but design thinking is known as, you know, another methodology or, or an evidence based pro- uh, approach for innovation. So how do you actually facilitate innovation in the classroom? Because how do you measure something like that as a teacher, you know, working with criteria, syllabus content? I feel like that's like the biggest challenge. How do you do something like that? You need to really talk
2: about having a mindset around the fact that you, you are not going to measure everything as you just said yeah. against a criteria. Mm. Because some of the skill development can't be measured against a set um, criteria. Mm. So a lot of this is about looking at ways of developing EQ and, and what are those measures. A lot of that research is going on at the moment. So yeah, it's, it's not necessarily that everything has to be put against a criteria, mm. um, but as we grow our students, we need to be, as I said earlier, not just looking at that IQ incubation part, mm. but also mm. developing their, their real world skills and, and schools are looking at different 21st century frameworks to underpin that. Mm-hmm. We use a framework known as the secret schools, mm-hmm. which was discovered or introduced by a gentleman named Dan Buckley from Cambridge University, mm-hmm. and, and that's a, a 21st century framework that it has ladders that students see in very simple student language, how to improve at managing risk mm. or becoming a team worker or an effective. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, so lots of schools are now looking at what are the frameworks that can underpin what's happening in the classroom mm. to, to continue to develop and look at bringing in those different practices. But I think you have to have the right mindset around having an innovation mindset as a lens across everything that you do. Mm -hmm. Innovation to me doesn't just mean technology. It might be looking at how you create a car park into a learning space. That's not Mm -hmm. necessarily technology, um, but it's innovative thinking. And sometimes
0: being able to see something that's not there, visualize that, and then being able to actually work through that problem solving process to achieve something. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and I suppose to foster that sort of innovation mindset in in young people is really important, but it also would be quite difficult because you're really moving away from, you know, more typical ways of learning. So what are some, you know, non-conventional ways of learning that you see in the classroom?
2: The... The advent of AI for me will be the one thing that changes everything about learning in the Mm. next 10 years. Mm. We now have bots that are sitting there alongside you on your device, helping to train you, connect you, and, and this is no longer science fiction. This has been trialed for five to 10 years now, but only been really released to a few. It's now gonna be starting, AI will be influencing on mass. Mm. So, so the way that that learning will change um, over the next 10 years is gonna be extraordinary when we get better at collecting that big data or big data, depending mm. on how you wanna mm. say it, yeah. and <laughs> then have machine learning and AI working through to individualize the learning process for our students. Yeah. I've worked with Microsoft educational circles for a number of years and to see what's on the Microsoft bandwagon what's coming in the next few years is simply extraordinary mm-hmm. where bots will be able to individualize the learning for a student based on everything it's aggregating mm-hmm. through their time on their device. Yeah. It's it's the one area that I'd love to have time and money and mm-hmm. go into research of how AI is actually going to help the well-being of our teachers. Yeah. Because yeah. some teachers are really sort of scared by this a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be the complete opposite. AI AI is going to help us with marking it's going to take small tasks off us yeah. and let teachers have more time to be there building mm. relationships communicating feeding back to our students mm. so it's something that I think is going to be a very positive move in the next 10 years Absolutely. Um, yeah
0: one of the terms that keeps getting thrown around is and you hear a lot of articles and research and involvement with with stem or steam with the additional a So you've been involved with working with the Teacher Center of Excellence and providing training for STEM undergraduates for Griffith Uni. How do you see STEM or STEAM involved and integrated into this process in terms of 21st century learning and as a teacher? Yeah, every school
2: or college has some sort of approach to what, what they're doing with STEM or STEAM mm. at the moment. It's one of those growing industries where all the research is showing that we need better STEM or STEAM skills in our students. Which one would you go for,
0: STEAM or STEM? I really <laughs>
2: like the idea of STEAM. In fact, I've done my own sort of research and, and I put a few couple of extra E's in there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I call it learn to a Steam yeah. with mm. with the two extra E's that really supercharge the STEAM being around an entrepreneurial mindset and a emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. I think if you can have those two areas coming through your STEAM learning that's when you're really knocking it out of the ballpark but there there are so many even here on the Gold Coast where we are there are so many industries that are based around this STEAM thinking Mm. that um, you kind of don't know unless you go out there and start looking Mm. so yeah there's real necessity for our students to be coming through with with STEAM or STEAM skills Mm -hmm. but also a STEAM mindset Mm -hmm. where necessarily have to be in the areas of science maths engineering or technology but, mm. to, but to have that idea of getting in and solving problems and that's very connected with that entrepreneurial mindset yeah. that can be happening in a hass class um, where you're doing a project in humanities mm. just as easily as it is in a, a math or a science room
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely and, and just for the listeners who may not be familiar with what um stem or steam is It's uh, science, technology, engineering, arts and mathematics. So Mm. adding on the entrepreneurial and uh, emotional intelligence, I think Mm. that's a very crucial part of Mm. insightful.
1: And so you also were fortunate enough to attend the Microsoft Surface Summit in Seattle. Did you get a sense of the ways that education is being delivered in other countries?
2: Yeah, first and foremost, just being in in Redmond in Seattle and seeing the the advanced sort of manufacturing laboratories and the behind the scenes research that's happening at Microsoft is just extraordinary. And there are things that I'm not allowed to talk about, but some of the things where in the next few years where we're going to see these completely immersive um, experiences coming through where we're all used to now zooming and Mm. looking on a device or looking on a a screen, but to come, we'll be walking and standing in a room where the entire room projects up and you feel like you are standing there immersively in, interacting yeah. with that person, mm. whether that be a hologram or, mm. or through that sort of Zoom experience right now, seeing cameras in the screens. So gone are the uh, comparisons around what punch hole is gonna happen in next year's yeah. Apple or, or you know, <laughs> Samsung device. But next year our mobile phones will have those cameras under the screen like our fingerprint scanners are right now. Mm. So that sort of technology is gonna jump in leaps and bounds. Um, on a on a world setting what was what, what I sort of took away from Seattle was that it was heavily influenced that that conference by the UK, America and Australia. America are probably very much further forward than the rest of us when it comes to that project-based learning approach. Mm -hmm. I call it real real world learning. They do a very good job in in the high-end PBL schools in America about connecting with industry, connecting Mm. with the people around Mm -hmm. them and having students solve real problems. Sometimes we create fake inauthentic, real-world solutions or problems mm. in schools. But I think America do a very good job of not not making this fake stuff up, but actually reaching out and asking local businesses, what are problems that our students can come in and solve mm. with you and for you? Yeah. And, and and those skills, again, that are developed mm-hmm. by being a part of that are extraordinary. Mm. Australia probably is a little bit ahead of um, the UK and America when it comes to actually our adoption and implementation of digital Pedagogy, digital mm. learning. So, so that was interesting to come away and look at that. Mm. And the UK didn't really sort of stand out either way, um, <laughs> ahead or behind <laughs> us. Yeah. But yeah, the, the other really interesting thing in America is to talk about free education, mm. where in America, free education actually means that. And when an American teacher talks to you about what, is it, what does it cost to go to a free state school here in Australia and you say there's no such thing as actually free, <laughs> yeah. that floors an American teacher. So yeah, that was uh, something that really, yeah, it was, it was interesting to talk to teachers about that
0: idea of yeah, f- what free education actually looks like. And I think that was, given where I was born, we was a developing country, oh, no, I guess I classify, Sri Lanka would classify as a third world country. That's free education. Mm. So textbooks, everything, facilities, other than, I think, your uniforms, everything else is free. Private, Catholic, doesn't matter what, what religion. So it's It's a completely different mindset. And it has its pros and cons. I've seen it work in really amazing capacities, but at the same time, just destroy the quality of delivery and the, and the education. So it can go both ways. Absolutely. One of the elephants in, the, I guess, the world is covid Yep. and how do you think 21st century education works with the additional layer of covid added and do you think students or even teachers disengage or has it changed the way we learn teach what are your thoughts
2: yeah i think th- I think students were very ready for COVID um, I <laughs> much think, more than us yeah and, and I think we had to work um, a lot with the, the teachers on the ground to make sure we were getting the most out of those tools at our availability to, mm. to get through lockdown periods yep. I mean here on the Gold Coast we've been extremely lucky with the length of lockdowns and I feel very sorry for teachers in Sydney and Melbourne that yep. have done really really extensive lockdown periods but the students I think were really really ready for that and, and did quite well mm. it was more about about training and working with teachers on the ground and it was it was kind of this really incredible Push forward in the use of digital tools mm. by staff, by teachers on the ground, because mm. there was a real reason that it had to happen. Mm. So there was an incredible amount of improvement in in the use of digital tools by teachers. It was actually a really great accomplishment to see the amount of growth that happened by teachers on the ground, because it wasn't there wasn't a choice. Mm. It actually had to happen. Force change. Yeah. It was yep. force change. Yep. And and now I think the the use mm. of digital technology is seeing the positive side of that now because we've just come out of this sort of 18 months where we're all learning how to use this the best we can. Mm. Some schools obviously did it better than others and Mm. and those very, very lucky schools that have one-to-one programs where every single child has a device Mm. have worked through that Mm. more easily than other schools that didn't have the technology. Mm. Um, And it's interesting to look at data from right around the world when you look through some of the European nations Mm. that um, didn't have technology at all and, and some students just had no educational input Mm. through really really long lockdown periods so we've been really really blessed to be here in Australia and then here somewhere in like Southeast Queensland where we've been quite hidden from the the impact of COVID to be honest when it comes to lockdown and effective learning for our students
1: yes definitely and we've we've touched on it already but there's something very special about this generation where they are so in tune with technology Mm. and and are really adopting things quite quickly so are there any trends that you're noticing in students interests and ideas about the future and for example have are you seeing new career paths or new ideas about their futures emerging that you wouldn't have seen five years ago
2: I think our, our students of today are really, really connected with social issues, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sustainability. And they're, they're really, really interested in climate change and, and their future on, on this globe that we, that we live on. So when it comes to careers, they're probably now not necessarily honing in on specific careers, but they're they're very interested in social topics. Mm. And I guess that's getting back to design thinking, that Mm. can be such a nice platform to use because you could be looking at social change issues through that design thinking lens. So yeah, our students of today, very interested in leadership around sustainability, Issues that are big issues. They want to look outside the four walls of their own school. Mm. Um, so schools here, on the students on the Gold Coast, they are really interested in, in topics at hand here at the coast. Mm. Um, but then on a broader level around the world as well. So that's yeah. probably been the biggest change. Mm.
0: Little social activists yeah. in <laughs> our schools. Yeah. Everyone has an opinion now. And I think it's very easily accessible to understand information and understand what's going on in the world. Mm. And you can... F- all you need to do is just go on your phone or, or yeah. open your laptop or sometimes the notifications are tailored to us now. Within, you mentioned Gold Coast and being very lucky within the actual context we're in geographically. What are your thoughts on the city of Gold Coast having been here for you know 20 plus years in terms of innovation, in terms of education? How do you think the city's doing in, in terms of preparing the, for the future of education?
2: Yeah, I think this is a fantastic region to be an educator in, Mm. particularly if you look outside the walls of education, there's a really strong entrepreneurial ecosystem here Mm. on the Gold Coast, really little sort of mini Silicon Valley type sort of sphere vibe. Mm. People collaborate really, really well here on the Gold Coast. Mm -hmm. And and I guess a a piece of advice for, for people in schools would be to reach out because I've never met anyone in any sort of local business or startup that hasn't been willing to actually give back come in, talk at a school, mentor some students, so yeah, I felt very, very lucky to be here where, where that sort of, that entrepreneurial ecosystem is one that is really, really willing to, to work and support education. Mm-hmm. So I see a much stronger link between education and business that's mm-hmm. developed through my time here on the Gold Coast. And the local council is very, very supportive as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Glenn Tozer is our local councillor and he's very much of a STEM thinker, but he'll come in and is always willing to give time and effort i've had people in business say we just wish sometimes the schools would make the time to meet with us and reach out because we will give back yeah so yeah i I guess if i could give any advice it would be Mm. to make sure you are looking at what's in your local neighborhood what Mm. businesses what startups um, are nearby and reach out because Mm. people generally in my experience have been very very forward in in Mm. giving their time and supporting yeah Yeah. and i think that's just
0: the quick email or a phone call
2: it absolutely take a lot of time so. yeah or just giving the time when in your holiday break to actually make time to go and have a two-hour lunch with somebody True. they really really appreciate that and then and, and that'll turn around and come back tenfold mm. for you on your site absolutely
1: yep Yep and as you know the Global Shapers Gold Coast Hub is here too and one of our other projects that we run is a bi-monthly ecology camp and we're really hoping that one day young leaders from across all the schools here on the Gold Coast can join and have dialogues on ecological sustainability and leadership and so as someone who interacts with young students on a daily basis do you have any advice for us to utilise some of these new learning techniques?
2: The first thing I would say is make sure that you have your, your young mentors in the schools talking mm. to the students, because often students, they can hear exactly the same message from their teacher, but as soon as somebody new is in the classroom, they really, really listen because they yeah. must be an expert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so having people you know, coming out, it's having shapers actually in mm. the schools to, mm. to start those sort of networks. And I'd also say, use the students to help drive forward. So use the skills of the students around social media or have them coming in and doing their own little podcasts Mm. or or putting things out over social media for you. Mm. Getting students in on the ground as part of it, Mm. I think is um, a really great way to to get, pick that interest. But I think students would be really, really interested in what you're talking
0: about. As soon as you talk ecology, sustainability, their faces light up, so Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And look, and this is something that we ask all our uh, guests here is um, brain food. And given Mm -hmm. that this is education uh, around the educational topic, I think it's very suitable. What's one or let's say your top three books that you will recommend for the listeners? I'm actually not a huge paper
2: book reader <laughs> that's okay um, I'm going through a series of works from Brene Brown at the moment mm, with, yep. with my leaders at school I'm probably more of a, a LinkedIn consumer I like to sort of look at that short sharp bits from everywhere yep so but from a, maybe like a podcast point of view uh, are fine. game changers yep. There's an incredible amount of variety within those sort of the series that Adriana has, has done now six or seven different series across game changers yeah so that's a great podcast to follow absolutely but yeah I sort of switch between twitter and linkedin as sort of places to go and find stimulus mm. and but at the moment i'm really sort of just yeah back on linkedin again just yep. reading mm. through and seeing what people are sharing mm. i like that sort of five to ten minute read of something mm. I mean i can spend an hour just going through lots of variety of of, of what linkedin sort of throwing up on my feed mm. yeah. yeah yeah and i
0: guess that's a new way of feeding our brains with it, the latest knowledge because it's quick and readily available so that's that's yeah. a good one yeah. thank you
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well thank you so much for being here today with us, Darren. It's um amazing to hear a bit more about your experience in educational leadership and also your thoughts and vision for the future of education on the Gold Coast.
0: You're welcome and thanks for having me. Absolutely, and thank you so much for the listeners for tuning into the Global Shapers Gold Coast, the power of youth action. So until our next episode, this is Roshan and Kara. We'll see you guys later.
1: See you next time.
0: Bye. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support from the City of Gold Coast and Laurie Minto, Global Shapers, Gold Coast Mentor and Director of Operations for Tomra Collection Solutions Australia for funding as well as the podcast support that they provide for us. We would like to thank the Cohort Innovation Space for providing this amazing recording studio as well as all the equipment alongside them.
1: To stay up to date with the impact we're creating locally and globally, follow us on Instagram at Global Shapers Gold Coast. If you think you've got what it takes to become a shaper, apply to our hub by visiting our webpage, goldcoast.globalshaper.org.au.
0: We are the Global Shapers Gold Coast hub of the World Economic Forum.
1: Thanks, everyone. Thanks,
0: Bye. guys. Bye.